you this night that we're glad that whosoever will can be saved. Amen. We're glad that we don't have to worry about who to take the gospel to. Yes, Lord. We can go anywhere in the world. Yes, Lord. We just ask that you would bless this time. You bless our special speaker, Brother Otero, each service, that you would encourage our hearts. And Lord, that the Holy Spirit would be free to help us to learn to give not as we can, but by faith. Yes, Lord. And in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank God Jesus saves. Amen. Well, I had a wonderful day today. Uh, Brother Andrew has been gracious enough to take me around uh, uh, this, the city. I uh, enjoyed eating New York food. I had me pizza, spaghetti, bagels, and name it. And then tonight, uh, uh, <laughs> Mrs. Montoro cooked us a nice uh, roast of uh, pork. And uh, so if... If I burp, hopefully not tonight, I'm full. I, I had a wonderful meal. Thank you again, Pastor Amantoro, for your hospitality and allowing us to be a part of the missions conference tonight. Also, I, I forgot to tell you, I, I was, again, awed with that 9-11 spot, the memorial there. And uh, so many lives have been lost and changed America and I hope that we will wake up enough to realize that we need to share the gospel. Because that's the need. Also, believe it or not, I had the privilege to meet Sister Pam, Brother uh, Andrew Nopiser, on those many people on that ferry. Is that ferry or ferry or whatever? I see. I, that's my Filipino accent. Ferry, ferry, it's the same, you know. So, anyway, of all those people, he saw her. And what a, we had a wonderful time going and... and I don't know if Pastor mentioned, but pray for her sister, uh, Renee. She fell, I was told, and, and uh, not doing so well. I'm so thankful she made it tonight. She said, I'll try my best. I'm going to see my sister, talk to the doctors, be with my mother. And, uh, well, we need to pray for her sister, Renee, that she would come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, stand with me tonight, Jim. I'm already almost getting ready to say... Uh, turn to the book of Genesis. A very familiar passage, Genesis chapter number 13. And tonight I am preaching a message, uh, Lord helping me. You live what you choose. It will be choosing time. The missions conference is always a choosing time to make commitment. And uh, Genesis 13, I like to read and please follow uh, verses 7 through 13. The Bible said, And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee and between my herdmen and thy brethren, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. 
Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Verse 13, but the, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Shall we pray? Father, thank you so much again for your people in this church family. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their pastor's burden to reach not only their city but around the world that the gospel might be preached to every creature. Thank you for what you're doing. For many years, they have been faithfully giving. And I pray that this year, again, as the pastor has challenged, our faith will increase, that we might do more for thee, for reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help me as I preach this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Now, when God made us, he gave us an opportunity and ability to make some choices. But when we make some choices, we need to realize that we must live with those choices. Some decisions that I made as a teenager, back when I was a teenager, or even when I was in my 20s, I'm thankful that I enjoyed the blessings because of those choices that I made. But on the other hand, if I could go back so many years, I probably would desire to change some of those things that I made that has not been a blessing to me, but I know that's probably true to uh, most of us in this room. By the way, at the age of 63, I'm still making some choices. I was telling Pastor that I, I felt that because of my health uh, concerns, I am praying to turn over the work there to a younger man, uh, uh, Brother Cyrano, who is there now and was saving our church, and then uh, surrendered to preach and went to Heartland to go to Bible college. And I think I met someone that was here last night. They were roommates with Brother Carlos. He said, I know him for a semester. And, and uh, in fact, he also came over here to to intern here for a few, well, a week or so. They were fed here, and they were taught how to to soul win uh, for a week with two of our men. In, and uh, they said, hello to you folks. You treated them well when they were here. And uh, uh, he, after college, he came back and interned to our church. And then later on, he said, Pastor, I believe the Lord wants me to start a church. And I'm so glad that he decided that. He went uh, few miles uh, north of us in Delano, California, close to Bakersfield, and started church six years ago. And uh, because of my health, I asked him a couple of years ago to come back. The church is, by the way, doing well. And uh, they, they, I, I said one condition before you could come back, and that is to, to pray that someone will go there and continue the work. We have invested so much dollars to help start that church, and I'm not sure if your church supported. I know that he went to Heartland to ask for support, and you probably have supported him as well. And I said, the many thousands of dollars have been spent, and I don't want you to live and that church dies. And so the Lord sent another graduate from Heartland, Brother uh, uh, Villaver, uh, and so he's now doing a good job, and they're in the process of buying a building as well already. They average almost 100 people, I believe, and I didn't realize that many Filipinos are in that area. And so many of them are farmers, and some of them have retired, and, 
And uh, in fact, I also am praying, Pastor, that maybe when, when I retire, I could go back and help start a senior saint's class. You know, I didn't realize I'm a 60s and I'm a senior saint now as well. So maybe I could go there after I retire. But, but anyway, again, I'm still making some choices and I pray that the decisions that I'm making will uh, be something that will be a blessing to me instead of regretting it. Well, again, life is made up of choices. I told you last night, I'm so thankful that I made a choice to try the U.S. Navy to be recruited and be enlisted, and God allowed me to serve 11 years, and uh, there I heard the gospel and received the Lord Jesus Christ, my personal Savior. And I'm so thankful also that as we sing tonight, uh, whosoever will may come, uh, God called me to preach and allow me to be able to sh- preach the gospel, uh, and, and I'm thankful for that, and that's another decision that I'm so thankful that my wife and I, uh, again, I'm thankful for my wife. I remembered 11 and a half years in the service, and uh, the Lord gave us the opportunity to be trained as the, the pastor, and I told my wife, I believe that's the Lord's will. And I'm thankful that she did not say, no, you should retire. Eight and a half more years, we could have uh, some pension or retirement uh, uh, in order for us to do a ministry. No, uh, she said, if that's the Lord's will, we will follow. And by the grace of God, the church is two, was two years old, and now we are 30, what, 33 years old. So we've been there for 31, and God did supply every need. Our children finished college by the grace of God without any tuition uh, what do you call that? Loan. No tuition loan. You know, college uh, tuition loan because the Lord allowed us to be able to help in that area towards them. And they, they told us they were very grateful. And uh, so I'm thankful again for that opportunity, uh, not only to come to know the Lord, but have the opportunity to serve Him. And uh, I'm glad that by, by faith we left the military without any support. No promise in the church. In fact, the missionary that, would, that trained me said, if the people give their tithe, you get something. If not, you probably have to find a work and, and then support your family. And, and God's people did support us. And, and uh, I, I can look back and how God has been so good to us. By the way, I, I remembered we got out of the service. There's no more housing, no more commissary privileges, no more salary every 15th and 30th. And uh, really by faith. And... And then faith promise was preached to us, and the missionary taught us about faith promise giving. And I said, how can we handle giving our tithe with a thing and now faith promise? But you know, God is not debtor. Give, and it shall be given back to you. I remember we started, I think, with $10, I think, and we started supporting a small church, two missionaries. Today, again, I told you by the grace of God, I think we support about... 140-some missionaries around the world uh, and in about 60 countries. And many of them in the Philippines, too. <laughs> so we love the Philippines. And, and, of course, Mexico. We have a lot in Thai, Cambodia because there's, there's a lot of people that are getting saved, many Filipino missionaries there. So, anyway, God has blessed us. And, and, and I didn't believe that you could even give more to faith promise than your tithe. Believe me. And, and by the grace of God, I told the church, we are 33 years old. If you started by faith in $5 a year, in 33, 33 years, that will be $5 a week. That will be at least $155, $160 a week already. Now, I'm not saying that's what you're going to do. Some of you probably double it every year. I don't know what the Lord would do. 
And yet, you know, I can stand here before you that God is faithful. And I'm glad that when we heard about faith promise giving, we did obey. Uh, we did by faith, uh, uh, did what we can, and God did su- supply uh, and more. And so I'm really thankful for that. And, and by the way, turn your Bibles to Proverbs 22. So you choose uh, to come to Christ and live for the Lord Jesus Christ and, and do His will in your life, as the Bible uh, make it clear to us. And then in Proverbs 22, there's another thing that I think that the Bible tells us how, that we need to make a good choice about this. The Bible said a good name, verse 1, I'm sorry, 22 Proverbs verse 1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and a loving favor rather than silver and gold. Again, I was talking to pastor. His great or grandfather came here from, you know, Europe, and, and he has a good name. He told me that he came just, just like I. I, I told uh, uh, our church, you know, when I came here, all I have is $20. My clothes not even mine. The Navy clothed me, you know. It's, I'm the property of the Navy. Even my ID said property of the United States Navy. Well, anyway, I have $20. I don't even have that $20, you know, we're poor. And yet, you know, I, I was telling, uh, I think it's Andrew or the pastor or some, somebody uh, this week that, that uh, you know, after graduating from high school, you have 16 years, you already graduated. And so I cannot work in the company where my dad works as a laborer there in the mining town. So I end up as a boy of a priest, you know, and he needed a cook. So I applied and, and I got the job and... And he's American priest, and I was telling, I think, pastor, that the only reason I learned to speak English is because that priest helped me learn English, you know. Because in the Philippines, if you graduate from high school, if you're not speaking with Americans, you, you don't really know how to speak English well. You, you know some, some present tense, uh, past tense, and conjugate and everything, but you don't really speak, you know, uh, much English. But anyway, I'm glad that that priest helped me. And he's the one that uh, gave me $20, because I don't have any $20, because they're required to bring $20 in case of necessities. You know, you need toothpaste or toothbrush along the way before boot camp. You have money to buy that. Well, anyway, I am so thankful that God, even though we're poor, our family gave me a good parents. And so my dad always tell us, take care of that Obero last name. Take care of that. He said, I never fed you with something stolen. I worked, I sweated to take care of my family. Take care of that name. And by the grace of God, I said the same thing to my son. Uh, I believe the rest, uh, the best I I know how. I I know I did take care of the reputation of my family. But especially if you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you name his name. And uh, the Bible said, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not of your own? You are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And uh, we name the name of Christ should take care of that name and protect that name uh, that we might bring glory and honor to Him. I even pray that this week that will what will take place. Second Timothy chapter 2.19 said, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. As members of Bible Baptist Church, Open Door Bible Baptist Church, you have a name. You're a member here. 
you should protect the name of the church. You know, I'm sorry to tell you that sadly I remembered going uh, door knocking and trying to win this. And said, oh, you know this lady, she told me she goes to this church and she's a nurse. And she said to me in my dismay and sadness, she said, you know that lady, curse less, um, worse than a sailor at work. I said, oh, what in the world? And uh, what a testimony, my, that lady in our church, I didn't have the courage to tell her what I heard, but, oh, I pray that you'll take care of the name of this, your church. Watch over, over uh, make, make it a, a name that will glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Jasper said, choose you this day whom you will serve. As of me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's another um, something that we need make to, cho- to choose, and that is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here in our text in Genesis 13, verse number 11, the Bible said, Then Lot chose. It's chosen time now for this young man by the name of Lot. And like many of us, this man has... So much spiritual opportunities and advantages from the beginning. You see, he, was, he grew up under the home of his uncle Abraham. The Bibles refer to him as the father of faith. He's also referred to as the friend of God. He had the privilege to follow his uncle in a long journey from Mesopotamia, Chaldees, or the Chaldees, all the way down to Canaan. And he also uh, had the, the privilege to help Abraham, his uncle, alter and learn to worship the Jehovah God by of the Bible. He observed and learned from Abraham's mistakes and uh, how he responded with sorrow and repentance and, and learned that God is a God of grace and God is a God that gives second and third chances. Yes, Lot became a follower of God because of his uncle's influence in his life. Believe it or not, we all have influence with someone. I was told by Pastor Hardy, my pastor, the next thing that you would surely influence when you live the ministry is your grandchildren. That's what he told me. Move close to your grandchildren and influence them for good for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're praying for. You know, Lot learned to fear God and walk with God. However, when... He went to Egypt. Lot was somehow infected by materialism. His outlook was changed. Decisions were now based on question, what will it benefit me? How can I enrich my life? I want you to turn your Bibles to First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. You know one of the saddest things that I found out, I don't know if it's true to different nationalities here, but there are many... Filipinos who come to America and they forget about what they have learned. Many of them believers in the Lord Jesus Christ in the Philippines. But when they come to America, the sad thing is they began to think more materialism instead of really serving God. Many prayed, if I come to America, I'll do this, I'll do that. But then they come to America, they work two, two jobs. And sometimes... On Sundays, they can come to church. And sometimes because of convenience, they just go to another church that's not even independent Baptist. I'm sad to hear about that. But I'm glad that many uh, are, are doing it. But you know, the Bible said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 10, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. 
And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall to temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. And while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, nothing wrong with material things when God blesses. The Bible said we can enjoy them. But I believe the reason why we are blessed is so we could be a blessing. God gave everything we have is, is given. And God said, give it. It will be given more. And so, I have a, uh, one of the grandpas in our church, you know, he tried to explain uh, to us, you know, tithe is not tithe. He said, tithe is tithe. And when you give, God gives you more to give. And I, and I never forgot in his illustration. But anyway, we need to have godliness and contentment in our, in our hearts. You know, there's a couple in our church. There are nurses, both of them. And they have wonderful home and everything is well. They have nice, everything nice. You know, nurses get good pay. And so, anyway, after giving to missions for all these years, one, uh, two years ago or so, they came forward at the invitation and I was wondering why they're coming forward. But then when I asked them about that, you know what they said? God told us we have been given and giving to missions. But now God wants us to go to the mission field. And they're in their 40s. I said, wow. But that's what we're praying. We're praying for laborers that God not only will, will help us increase our faith, that others could hear the gospel as missionaries surrender their lives, but God would call some people in our church. And, and I was kind of happy. And see, you know what they did? They sold everything they have. Went to Bible college. In fact, their son is already in college and they're classmates. But you know what? They want to prepare themselves to go to the mission field. And by the way, that happened to this couple that took over Brother Serrano's. They came to America. Their families expected them now that they could support the family back home. But after they graduated from Heartland, God spoke to their heart about surrendering. And so they surrendered their lives. And that now he's pastoring and his family is not happy because... You know, they are doing by faith there too. And so, I mean, how important it is to understand again that godliness with contentment is great gain. And sometimes the reason why we cannot give is because we wanted better this and better that. I'm not saying those are wrong, but I think the Lord blesses us for to be content so that we could do more when He blesses us, that we can do more for the Lord Jesus Christ's work. Well, anyway... In verse number 2, Genesis 13, the Bible said that they became rich, Abraham and Lot. Verse 5, and Lot also went with Abraham to Egypt, had flocks and herds and tents. Verse number 6, the Bible said that they had a strife. The Bible said in 13, verse 6, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so that they could no longer dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanites and the Parasites dwelled then in the land. Well, I like what Abraham did. They're not even arguing or have a strife between themselves within his nephew. But you know what? Abraham already did something. Verse number seven, not verse number eight. And Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, at between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. I like that word. We are brothers. We should not be fighting. 
Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. For if thou wilt take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. That's a lesson that sometimes, that some, some of us needs to learn here. Because, because Abraham has a wonderful attitude concerning having a strife with someone. Like a relative or a brother and sister in Christ. You know, it will save us a lot of trouble. Even, I think, as a husband and wife. If we will just learn what Abraham's attitude was. You know, uh, when you get older, I, uh, you know, I told you I had six bypass and I almost died. And I'm thankful God spared me. I told you I was on a mission trip in the Philippines. I slipped in a stair and hit, hit my head and had concussion. And I thought, oh my, I can't. I can't make it back to the States, but God spared me there. But you know, when you're going through that kind of life, you're thankful that you have a good relationship with your wife. But more than that, a good relationship with God, because something happened to you, you know, to be absent here, to be present there. A good relationship with your children and, and grandchildren and so on. You know, it will uh, get you out a lot of trouble if you learn, again, to be able to humble yourself and say, let's not have this fight. Or strive. We are husband and wife. We are one. Or we are brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in the Philippines, I remember growing up, there are some families that siblings fighting against something about a land or about a piece of property. And they don't talk. And, oh, wow. I said, what a waste. Just because of certain property, you don't talk to someone. Why would you just say, hey, if you want it, you can have it. We're brothers. Well, by the way, Paul talked about the same thing. Go to Philippians, please. Chapter 2. You know this verse. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ was the example he used about this attitude that help us, will help us in relationship. And I am thankful for this verse. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then verse 5 said, Let this mind be in you. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Think about that. If Abraham can do that, if, he, if there's one that has a right of that land, it's him. And if he can say, you make a choice, you want to go left, I'll go right. And he was willing to humble himself to that nephew. But you know what? More than that, Paul said, think about our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's God. If there's one that needed uh, to be reconciled to him, it's us. But you know what the Bible said? He humbled himself. And became obedient unto that, even the death of the cross. And we are not even worthy. You know, I think about that a lot. Especially when we have a strife with my wife. You know, we don't, she don't throw plates on me or anything like that. But, you know, there's always strife. A couple that says we have no problem in our marriage is, has a problem, you know, I think. But, you know, when we have some disagreement, I remember what the Lord Jesus Christ 
uh, Paul told about the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible said he loved us. He gave himself for us. And the Bible commands, you know, I'm, I'm talking to myself here. The Bible commands me to love my wife even as Jesus Christ loved me. And I thought, wow, what will be a difference in our relationship if I'm just willing to say, sweetheart, I'm sorry once in a while, you know. Of course, sometimes I feel like, how come he's only the, always the right one instead of me? Well, anyway, well, I'm glad that our Savior Jesus Christ did not think like that. He humbled himself to reach me, which is unsaved, unworthy, hell-deserving sinner. And yet the Bible said he humbled himself. He became sin for me, that I could be reconciled to, his, to, to our holy God. And I'm so, so thankful about that. God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, Abraham's going down to Egypt in disobedience to God's command to stay in the land might have an effect on Lot's decision and choices. But you know, he should not be making excuses, though, about that. He made that choice himself. He was responsible for the choice that he made. And by the way, the same thing with us. But sadly, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll go through life making excuses. But you know, one day we'll stand before God, and I don't think we have the opportunity to point our finger, I'm not serving, I'm not giving, I'm not doing, well, because of this sister or that pastor or that brother. I don't think the Lord will buy that, because every one of us will make an account before God one day. Then Lot chose. It's choosing time for him. Three things i like us to remember tonight about the lesson from Lot's life. Number one, Lot's choice only involves sight. The Bible said in verse number 9, Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. And if thou take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. If thou depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. Verse 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Now notice the word beheld. Lot saw, and based upon that, he made the choice. You know, sometimes if you're not careful... We look at our budget and we say, well, I can only do so much. Well, a pastor just said tonight, it's by faith. It's not by, by what we have in the, in the pocketbook. And so, anyway, uh, he looked and that's all he based it upon. And he said, it's good. So, I made this choice. I'm going to towards Sodom. By the way, what a difference about Abraham's choice. I go to verse number 3. Uh, in Genesis 13, and the Bible, and 3 and 4, and he went on his way, journeys to the south, even to Bethel, and to the place where his tent has been from the beginning between Bethel and Hai, and to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. In verse number uh, 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift now thine eyes, and look from that place where thou art northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. You know, Abraham committed to God what the choice will be. And he just trusted God. And God told him, this is what I'm going to give you. But you know, Lot never acknowledged God. I pray, you know, my wife and I pray 
when we make decisions as well. And, uh, but sometimes we don't pray. Like what I said, we just look at our uh, side by side and we just decide, well, that's what all we can do right now. Well, why won't we pray and just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, and uh, help us to increase our faith and, and watch it grow. And I told you again, I'm not really, I'm just praise the Lord for it. That uh, we began and, and we thought we cannot make it. Well, we did it by faith. Just $10 is, is a lot in those times, especially if you don't have any paycheck, you know, coming from the Navy. It's by faith. But we did. And you know what? Oh, God has been good to us, and I'm grateful. By the way, I'm glad my wife never argued with me. Sometimes she put me to shame when I'm praying. I think this is what we're going to do this year. You know what she said? I think we should add. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to confess that to you. And she said, we can do it by faith. And so, anyway, uh, you know, sometimes if we're not careful, we do the same thing as Lot did. I... I'm sad. I think, I, especially even in our church, I think there's some, some young men and women that made their decision and choice of who to marry the rest of their life just by looks. Now, I'm not saying that you should choose someone that's not attractive to you. By the way, I also believe that the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So what's beautiful to me might not be to you. So I'm not saying that, that wrong. But, but there are people that will say, wow, she looks beautiful. That's the one I'm going to marry. But you know, there are times too that you realize that at first you look at that her as beautiful. But then as you spend more time with her, you realize she's not. You know, she has an attitude. She don't respect her parents. She don't respect authority. And she's not faithful in church. And you realize she is not really beautiful. The longer you get to know that person. But at the first glance, you thought, oh, she's not so pretty, you know. But then the more you get to know her, you realize, wow, she is beautiful. Look how she respects her parents, how faithful she is. I I think that that will be wonderful. And sometimes it's true to young ladies. You know, you look at this guy, you think he's handsome. But the more you realize, this guy's not godly. He's not worth anything, you know. He might have a nice car, but he... Can't even keep a job or something like that. But you know, I uh, don't just make it make a choice because of what you look. Spend a little time, pray about that, and learn who that person really is. You know, we have men in our church. I'm thankful that even though they lost their job and their company is moving somewhere, they decided to trust God that God will give them another job because they felt like this is their church. This, this is our children goes to this school, and we're thankful for that, and we will trust God. And, I, and I'm glad they stayed. Many of them. Now some did leave, sadly, but you know many of them stayed, and they have good jobs now. I'm thankful, by the way, about that. Again, if you are not careful, you make a choice based on what you see, instead of trusting what the Lord can do through your faith. Now, Lot's choice, though, end up inviting some sin in his life. You know, when you make a choice and live God out of that choice issue, opening yourself to something that you will regret. The Bible said in verse 12, And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Again, Abram consulted God, and he left that choice to God. 
But Lot made that choice without even consulting it to God. And he began to think about the cities of the plain. Because you know what? They're well watered. You know, it's good for the cattle, the business. But he didn't realize it's not really good for his family. In verse number 13, the Bible already said this. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord God exceedingly. In fact, that that place is a wicked place. Well, at first, you know, God already gave him a warning. That's not a good place because he ended up as a captive, if you remember. And thankfully, his uncle came and delivered him. But instead of learning a lesson and getting out of that place, he still stayed there. And went back there. And in fact, he ended up even as one of the leaders there because he's now sitting by the gates. And what a sad thing. But notice thirdly, not only that his choice only involves sight and invited sin, but notice the end result of that wrong choice is included some sorrow. In verse number 12, The Bible said, And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Now, at first, he just thought about, you know, pitching his tent toward Sodom. He's not in Sodom yet. But then, later on, we find that he is now living in Sodom. And as I said, in chapter number 19, if you would turn your Bibles there very quickly, Genesis chapter number 19, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible tells us, And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. These two, by the way, are angels. Uh, Three people came and visited Abraham before this, and one is the Lord, of course, but the Lord didn't even bother to go there. He just sent the two men to warn Lot that he will destroy uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and they better get out of there. But anyway, the Bible said in in verse number 2, And he said, Behold, now my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and that he made them a feast, and did bake and leavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter, and they called unto Lot, and said unto him, Where are the men which came to thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that, you may, that we may know them." Again, Lot dwelt now in Sodom. He adjusted there. He became one of the elected officials sitting at the gates. And if you are not careful, you just read through this. But think about, you know, how, how awful situation this was for this man, Lot. Again, these people are wicked, the Bible said. And... <laughs> When these visitors came to visit him and he invited him in his home, the Bible said before they were even able to go to sleep, the men already of the city came and tried to bang the door and say, bring out those men, we want to get to know them. And, wow. Verse number 7, 
uh, verse 6. And Lot went out of the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, Pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Now, did you imagine that only he got used to the place, but now he calls this man brethren. Abram was his brother, but now this people in Sodom and Gomorrah is his brothers. Verse number 8. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray thee, bring them out to you, and do ye to them as is good in your own eye, in your eyes. Only these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Again, what a shameful event this is. I turn your Bibles to Second Peter, and by the way, again, Lot did not. It's not like this man. He has a godly influence from his uncle. In fact, in Second Peter chapter two, verse six and eight, tell us how godly this man was. In 2 Peter chapter number 2, verse 6 to 8, the Bible said, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overflow, making them an example unto those that are after should have, as should live ungodly, and delivered just blood. Notice that he's a just man. Vexed the filthy conversation of the wicked. When he got there, he cannot handle the way they talk and they live. For the Righteous man, see, not only was just, but the Bible calls him as a righteous man dwelling among them. In seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Wow, he, at first when he got there, he cannot handle what he's hearing and seeing and, and so forth and so on. But then later on, he just began to just think about the benefit that he's getting, it's good for his business, and he stayed there, and later on, everything became normal. And I'm afraid if America will not wake up, we are in trouble. I mean, in San Diego, we now have gay parade there. I think our mayor uh, right now is so supportive of, of that crowd. And I'm sad. And I was told New York is almost the same thing. I think San Francisco is the same thing, and it's all over. And if we are not careful, later on, what we read here, we think, oh, that's not going to be true. It's becoming true right here. Because we, if we are not careful, and by the way, I don't think it's the fault of our mayor. The Bible did say, if my people who are called by my name shall humble, it's us who needs to really pray and really need to reach them, because only the gospel can change their life. And anyway, uh, another sad thing, not only he began to call, he got used to the city life, he began to adopt himself. Now he's calling these people brothers. But when they are banging at his door, wanting his visitors, you know what he said? I want you to take my daughters. They're virgins. And you could have them do whatever you want to them. Wow. What kind of father that is supposed to be just and godly? Why can he? What happened to him? Wow. Of course, you know, the angels uh, struck these men with blindness to, you know, and keep Lot and his family safe. But verse number 12 in chapter 19, the men said to Lot, Hast thou there any besides, son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whosoever thou hast in the city, bring them out into this place? For we will destroy this place because of the cry of them waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord had sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of the place. 
For the Lord will destroy this city. But notice it said, but he seemed as one as, as that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Now, I am afraid that his daughters ended up going to the University of Sodom, met some uh, Sodomites there, and married them. And now, they can't even respect Lot. He don't have a testimony. What a sad thing. And I think one of the saddest things for a parent is when his children disrespect him. Lot, because of that wrong choice, based on sight, Instead of committing and asking God, end up doing something that I believe he's regretting and sad right now. But, but also, think about that. Remember when Abraham, God told Abraham what he will do, and Abraham pleaded with God, if you have 50, I hope that's what we do at this conference, you save America, save our city. God said, if you have 50, uh, please don't destroy the, destroy the righteous with the sinners. And God said, okay. He's a gracious God, isn't he? I'm thankful. If there's 50 in that city, I'll not destroy it. All right. Abram thought about it and he was counting Lot, his wife, his children, and probably married now and, and grandchildren, in-laws. And so he said, how about 45? God said, okay, I'm not going to destroy it for 45. About 40, 30, 20. And then one more time, Abram said, don't be tired of me, Lord. How about 10? He probably thought about, oh, well, i got five children and married and my wife and I, and we probably have ten and two unmarried daughters, so I think I'll stop there. So God said, if there's ten righteous in the city, I'm not going to... I believe if he said five, you know, God is not willing that any should perish, it all should come to repentance. So God still probably said, okay, if there's five. But you know, you can't even find ten people in the city. He lost his testimony. He lost his witness. And then, notice verse number 17. And the angels warned Lot, his wife, in verse 17, And it came to pass, and they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape to the, for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest be thou consumed. But you know what his wife did? He said, don't look back. But his wife did look back and he did lose his wife. Wow. Verse 26 said, his wife looked back from, from behind her and she became a pillar of salt. I don't know why she looked back. She's probably a habit of disobeying God or disobeying even the authority of his husband. I don't, her husband, I don't know. But perhaps he's probably thinking about all the material things that they have gathered since they came to Sodom, you know. Could just imagine how big their home now and what they have and whatever. But she looked back. Maybe she's thinking about her children or grandchildren and wondering, you know, about them. I don't know. But one thing we know, she disobeyed and looked back. Of course, they try to claim that there is some spot where Lot's wife was and so forth. But I believe it has been eroded because of time. But you know, God still wants us to remember Lot's wife. Turn your Bibles to Luke 17, verse number 32. It's still a verse there that warns us about disobeying when what God instructed us to do. The Bible said in verse 32, Luke 17, just three words, remember Lot's wife. I think that's a warning for all of us. We need to trust and obey, making the right choices. That's the best thing to do, even when hard time comes. Uh, my, my life verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. 
Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. Again, they were warned, but his wife disobeyed. But I believe this is the worst of all. Go to verse number 30. He lost all the cattle, his home, all his possessions, his children and grandchildren, except for those two virgin daughters that was with him. He lost his wife. Now they're staying on a cave. But you know, here's the worst part. In Genesis 19, verse number 30, And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zoar, and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay down yesterday, I lay, sorry, where am I? Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in, and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And the firstborn bare a son, and called his name Moab, and the same of the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger she also bare a son, called his name Ben Amai, the same as the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. Wow. I guess these two daughters learned the style or way of life of the Sodomites. And so now when their father is willing to give them away, now they thought, well, we want to bring seed to our father. So let's get him drunk. And the older daughter said, I'll lay with my dad. Could you imagine that again? How, how could it happen? A just man. Now his daughters make him drunk and lay with him. It all began by some choices he made without asking God. And look at this. They committed incest with their father. And they got children out of their father. And by the way, out of that relationship, these daughters brought four children who became Ammon and Moab, and they become the thorn on the flesh of the people of Israel as they are headed back to the promised land. They become their greatest enemies. You see, you will reap what you sow. Galatians 6, 7, and 8, the Bible says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that he shall also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall be flesh reap corruption, and he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. If he just had chosen to be like his uncle and remain faithful to the Lord, he wouldn't have lost his, his wife, his children, his family. If he had more concern with his children rather than his cattle, he'd probably have enjoying his grandchildren now. I, I, I am thankful for grandchildren. Pastor Montor has more than me, but I'm thankful for them. They are indeed crowned. You know, I was thinking about that uh, some time ago. 
the fruit of the womb is just reward. And to me, reward is like getting a trophy or something. But a crown is fit for a king. So as a grandpa, I felt like, oh, I'm a king. Enjoy these grandchildren. Well, anyway, he, he could have been enjoying that. But because of wrong choices, he don't have it. In fact, the grandchildren he has is a result of some sin that his daughters committed with him. Instead of living in the blessings of God, we see him in a cave with his daughter others. And now pregnant because of their insistious relationship with him. Again, he started out with wonderful privileges. He's a nephew, the friend of God, the father of the faith. But his life is in chaos. And by the way, the only time we would see and hear of him again is remember Lot's wife. We don't hear him. Uh, we can hear Abraham all over, even in the New Testament. But Lot, only that verse that Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Again, it's a testimony of how you will end up when you start making some wrong choices in your life. Someone said sin will take you to go farther than where you want to go. Cost you more than what you want to pay. Also will take you to stay longer than when you want to stay. A sad end of a man with much promise. I believe again we need to trust the Lord and that's our best choices. Acknowledge him and he will direct our path. In fact, the Apostle Paul reminds the believers in Rome, Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God with your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Can you know it? Yes. You can prove the will of God. Oh, the importance indeed of making the right choices. If you're about to do something, I hope that you spend time with God, seek some counsel with godly men as your pastor. But don't decide something without even taking time to bring it before God. Don't make a choice not according to the will of God. Because it's here, the will of God is in the word of God. If you do that, I believe you'll never regret the choices that you will make. Again tonight, if you're not saved, I hope that you'll come to the saving knowledge of Christ because he does love you and he wants you to be saved. And to demonstrate that, he gave his son Jesus Christ to shed his blood to redeem us from our sin. He was buried and rose again. Sit at the right hand of God. He is the Savior to all who call upon him. If you're saved, I hope that you choose to live for him. Choose to have a good name. Choose to serve the Lord and be on His side. And yes, don't make a choice based on sight only. Again, this week, it's faith promise mission giving and you will make a choice. I hope that you would pray. You would ask God what He will have you to do. And don't just base it on, on sight. Just trust Him. That's why it's faith promise giving. What a blessing for me to read as I preach on the life of Elijah. 
that when the brook dried and God told him to go to uh, that Sarah path where there's a widow there. And when the man of God said the widow is getting ready, he remembered a story to, to cook the last meal with her and her child. Remember that? And Elijah said, I want you to give me, <laughs> bake for me that bread. That, at first you think, that's mean. That's for the lady and his son. Why are you getting it? But you know what that widow did? He obeyed. She obeyed. And cooked for Elijah, the man of God. And you know something? For those, the rest of the time when there is famine in the land, because she believed the prophet of God and the word of God, she never got hungry with his son again through the famine. And you're wondering, oh, already look at me, how tight is this thing? And now pastors want us to support new missionaries and increase our faith and so forth. My friend, that's not the pastor's commission. It's, it's our commission as a church family to go and reach the world for Jesus Christ. And you're trying your best to reach your city and we're doing, trying to do the same thing. But I'm telling you, we do have flags like this every missions conference. I learned something today, how to hook them up and don't fall. You know, I used to, we used to tape it and they're all falling down. And, but now I got a good idea. I'm glad for Brother Andrew here. But anyway, you say, Pastor, don't you understand? Look at me. Look at our budget here. Well, Pastor said, it's faith promise. And that's what the Bible says. And Lord willing, this coming Sunday, I know you've learned about faith promise giving. I'll try to teach that again. And, uh, but you know, I have tried not bragging to share to you our testimony. My wife and I, by the grace of God, we have watched him. Yeah, that's his promise, isn't it? My God, Paul said to these Philippian believers, who supported him, by the way, shall supply all your need. You know, I read that article, The Miracle in 35th Street. Now, if you don't believe that, I don't know about you. But God is a God that will take care if we just learn to obey. In fact, this widow's son died too, by the way. But, but the prophet of God asked God, restore back, and he did. And so, tonight, when you make that choice, would you not just base it upon what you can see, but believe that what can God can do through you? Some of you have proven that through the years. I, I think Sister Pam been here 17 years, if I understand right. I'm pretty sure she's involved. You're, you're here because you're involved. But you know, one day, I believe we'll stand before God. And I hope we hear him say, well done. Because not only that we know him, but we've been faithful as a steward of the what he has given to us. Everything we have is from him anyway. And so we are thankful that God has saved us and give us the privilege to go to his vineyard and co-labor for him. And if God is calling you to be a preacher, I hope that you would surrender your life. Give yourself. Just like the Pramos and just like the, the Villa Bears, who's willing to leave their profession because God called and obey God's will in their life. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this lesson about Lot's life. How, as a result of his lack of faith, trying to see what is good for him instead of what would honor you. Lord, he ended up losing everything. Help us to learn to have contentment. With godliness. You have so blessed us Lord. I pray. That you would speak to our heart. 
and help us to realize that this is not something that we do because the pastor just wanted us to do, but because you love so much the world. You are not willing that any would perish, and untold billions are still untold. And thank you for calling servants, many of them preparing to go to the mission field. I pray that you would supply. And Lord, may we be able to partner with them as we help send them and pray for them that others would hear what we have heard. Give us, Lord, a heart that is willing to obey and trust you. I ask that you bless this time of invitation as I turn over to Pastor Montoro. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we ask all these things. Amen.